0: Welcome to Cole Sports. You have entered the zone called sports on another level. And now, here's your host, Cole Johnson. Cole Sports! I am that man, your man, the illustrious Turk eyed Cole Johnson. And on this episode, we're going to talk about week three of the college football landscape. Week two of the NFL landscape. We have, I think, an important fight this weekend in Las Vegas. Gonna go in on a certain topic. Has something to do with a little bit of the president and Nike. We're going to, of course, award the Dodo the weekend. We're going to put upon further review a really good subject. But for right now, headlines, please. <music> line College Football. So there's a good slew of games. Uh, for example, Ohio State TCU. But Really, outside of that, in Boise State, Oklahoma State, and Notre Dame and Vanderbilt. Oh, oh God, I made myself sleepy by saying that one. The game to watch. It's in the Plains. LSU and Auburn. They renew their rivalry once again at this moment. The winner may have an inside track to beat Alabama to play in Atlanta in December. But, of course, with Alabama scoring 50 points a game, that's going to be a hard trick to turn. More as the year goes on. Stateline Green Bay. So, Mr. Gruden, what was it about the fact that your defense, you said at one time, was not all that great with Khalil Mack on the team? Uh, Didn't I see you score only 13 but allow 26? I, I would say 33, but your quarterback threw a pick six late in the game. But you also said that you had issues and you did not know why you were not getting quarterback pressure on Jared Goff. I think I have a clue as to why. He wears a 5 and a 2. He has M.A.C.K. on the back of his jersey. He used to be silver and black. Now, he's navy blue and orange. Why? Because you traded for him and you thought, hmm, he doesn't really want to be a Raider. No. He wanted to be broken off money like you were. But since you decided that he didn't want to be a Raider you let him go and now you're scratching your head wondering what you're going to be doing on defense meanwhile you're watching tv and he gets a strip sack fumble he gets another sack he gets an interception and returns it for six all in one quarter as i said last week this guy could put you in the super bowl if you surround him with talent and the same thing with car if you surround him with talent you do not let players like that go but it's your ship right good job looking like chucky and a mark davis clone Here is a public service announcement to all who are a sports broadcasting team. Do not choke one another. Dateline New York City. It's getting down to the nitty-gritty in all of the pennant races. but We're not going to talk about that. The consideration for MVP in the American League, it looks like it's going to be the Red Sox Mookie Betts. Uh, He just has been doing 5-2 player stuff all year long. And then National League with the Cubs' Javier Baez. What I have found interesting about this is that it really hasn't been a race considering that you have these two guys who have been really the considered forerunners of each award ever since what memorial day there really hasn't been a challenge to either guy as to who was going to pick up that hardware for al and nl mvp and if you want to read an article in usa today that's posted on coldsports.com as to the other categories that are considered and the people who are considered for them have at it Dateline Miami. Kenny Stills. Albert Wilson. Now, what did these two players have in common? Well, they knelt during the national anthem in their game against the Titans to open up the 2018 season for the Dolphins. Of course, the president talked about how that is setting a bad precedent, as usual. But among the people who actually had something to say about that would be one, Mr. Colin Kaepernick. Oh, I'm sorry. The Nike spokesperson for the 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign, Colin Kaepernick. Sorry, brother. I have to give you your props. He had this to tweet about the two gentlemen. Quote. My brothers at K. Stills and I think I see 12 continue to show their unwavering support for fighting for the oppressed. They have not backed down even when attacked and intimidated. Their courage will move the world forward. Love. Is at the root of our resistance. Black fist emoji. Close quote. And they'll be seeing more opposition. I can assure you. Dateline Las Vegas. The fight of the year of 2017 will get a chance to renew that title this year as the two combatants for that fight last year, Saul Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin, get it on again this saturday and there was an article usa today that was really interesting they talked about the difference of the boxers and who has what advantage like for example we all know that triple g has the advantage in power although canelo can give you a good pop we all know that in the boxing category that's more canelo's department but triple g is not a slouch in defense both Both can take a good shot and both can miss a good one too. So it's to me, that's about a push. And for stamina, I I think this is a little bit of an edge going toward Canelo considering he is the younger fighter of the two. Canelo is 28. Triple G is 36. So you can see how that's going to be. But if this fight is going to be anything like it was September 16th of last year, wow, 364 days later and we're doing the same fight. It's going to be an exciting one, and I look forward to seeing it. And you will hear my thoughts about that fight next week's episode. Dateline Cincinnati. Now, you will see this question posted on my Instagram page, Sports. That's what a Z. Are the Bengals 2-0 start for real? Now, let's look at the teams they've beaten. So they went to Indianapolis. They beat the Colts 34-23. to And they come home to play the Ravens and they beat them 34 to 23. Wow. Right now, I would just start about the symmetry of each game in the same score. But do I think that the Bengals are for real? No. When I hear that question of are they for real? I'm thinking, uh, are they like the Packers who could steamroll through the NFC and go to the Super Bowl? Or they like the Patriots who could do the same thing. Or they like the Eagles who could do the same thing. Or they like the Steelers. Those four teams are for real. And in my opinion, the only team that can defeat any of those four are themselves more than any other. The Bengals? No. I really believe that they're going to run into a stumbling block. Oh, well, they have one in their own division in the Steelers. So I just don't see that happening for them. However, what I do see, because I can see this, that this is the first time they've been 2-0 since 2015. And they went to a 12-4 record and the playoffs, and they won the division that year to an epic playoff game that they had later. But my thought has always been this about the Bengals, especially under Marvin Lewis. They get good and they get going. September through December, they're good. They're wonderful. They look like they can be a contender that can knock off the Steelers or the Patriots, and then when the calendar turns January, they fall like a rock to the abyss of the Pacific Ocean. I don't think they're for real. Now, can there be a spoiler? That I do see. Dateline East Coast. Thoughts, prayers and well wishes go out to those who are living on the East Coast, especially in North Carolina and South Carolina. Hurricane Florence has been barreling down the Atlantic, headed toward there. And as of this recording, it now is sitting in North Carolina, dumping rain on the whole state. Now, I have some friends who live in North Carolina, so I, I pray for them and I pray for their safety. And I hope that they have gotten to higher ground if they have gotten to higher ground. And if they st- if they remain there, I hope that they are hunkered down and are dry. Hurricanes are nothing to play with because they could turn into devastating storms that will just simply dump a whole ton of water on a concentrated area. There have been many games that have been affected, some cancellations, some postponements. The professional ranks, though, they're playing as if everything is full steam ahead. All systems go. But for those who live in the North Carolina area, please take care of yourselves. Stock up and get ready to rebuild and be stronger than you've ever been. Hashtag North Carolina strong. When I come back, we're going to award the Dota of the Week. And we're going to put a subject upon further review, and we're going to debut another segment. But immediately following the break, oh, I'm about to go e- Johnson Cole Sports, and this is what we're going to do right now. Follow me. Now we have a president who, in my estimation and opinion, has it in for the NFL, and now he has it in for a client in Nike, and he is so adamant about wanting to progn- prognosticate the downfall of the NFL. Meanwhile, one of the sponsors of the NFL. Is making more money than it knows what to print and do with it. So this interesting hodgepodge mix of power and control is the subject matter of what I'm going to talk about as I am going to go in. if you have been under rock the NFL has sprung again they're playing on the field i mean heck it's the second sunday or around the second sunday or third sunday i should say in september that means professional football is in its throws and season however the president of the East united states donald trump could not wait to get the ratings of opening night's game between the Falcons and the Eagles. And he tweeted that, and he was right, that the ratings were 13% lower than last year's game. Last year's game had the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. Now, I could argue that there's a bigger fan base for Boston than, I should say, there's a bigger fan base for the Patriots than there are for the Eagles. There seems to be a bigger interest in the Patriots, obviously, because you have a lot of people who love the Patriots and you have a lot of people who hate watch them. And you don't really have that entity with the Eagles yet. Now, if they run off championships, you may have that, but you don't have that now. So that plays into why part of it plays into why the ratings were down. Also, what plays into why the ratings were down? Viewership of television all across the board, no matter if it is entertainment, dramas, comedies, reality, reality TV TV. Documentary, sports, whatever category. TV viewership is just down altogether because you're having different people watch different things in different ways. Thanks to Netflix, we all love to binge watch our favorite TV shows. We'll block off five, six, seven hours in a day and just watch a show in back to back to back to back episodes. So you have different viewing, different viewing habits, different viewing capabilities, different viewing tastes. And you have a different TV viewer, especially in football, because now sports fans don't necessarily need to watch their stuff on TV. They can watch it on their phone. They can watch it on their iPad. They can watch it on their desktop. Last week in week one NFL season, I saw two games on my laptop. So viewing habits are different. But what the president didn't put forth was this. So this past week, they released the top 10 TV shows. You want to know what the top five TV shows were? No, there was a dance with the stars. It wasn't American Idol. It wasn't. This is us. No, it was five NFL games. Numbers one, two, three, four and five. The five most viewed programs of the past week. All were NFL games. So there is an interest in America to watch football, especially the NFL. The interest is still there. Whether they hate watch or love watch is immaterial. The interest is still there. The product is still as viable as it's ever been. And they're making money. You don't believe me. The deposed owner of the Carolina Panthers, Jerry Richardson, who decided to be a sugar daddy and a, and a pimp on the job. He was summarily forced to resign early in the winter. In May, a minority owner for the Steelers, and the name escapes me, bought the team for a price tag of $2.2 billion. Now, we're not talking about the richest teams in the league, which would be the Cowboys, the Washington NFL franchise, the Patriots, the Texans. We're not talking about those teams, because those are the richest franchises in NFL. We're not talking about them, because their worth is greater than every other's. The Panthers are like middle of the pack, and it took $2.2 billion to buy the team. So, the NFL is not crying broke. The NFL is not in hurt is is not hurting. They're not hurting financially at all. So they can laugh off the well, viewership is thirteen percent down from TV, but the advertisers are still uh, coming to them. People still filling the stadiums, and people are still interested in their product. Money is not the problem for the NFL, and for the last thirty years, it hasn't been. No, reputation has been. You can go back to when they had issues with the players running afoul of the law. And the onset of when Roger Goodell became the commissioner of the NFL, saying that I'll be the sheriff, basically, and they won't impugn the shield. And then he instituted a tough, no nonsense discipline policy at the players backed to the point where you started to see unfair rulings happen. And we're here now with it. But that is small potatoes compared to here and now. You see, the NFL has an issue with do they go with money or do they go with morality? Or can they combine the two and actually have it make sense for both their bottom line and their conscience? And so since most of the owners are octogenarians and septuagenarians, and for those who don't know those words, meaning the ownership of the NFL, they're run by people who are at least 70 or 80 years old. You have these mindsets that are stuck in that time period, stuck in that time frame. So you can't maneuver beyond what they feel think about your parents and grandparents i'm sure most of them are in their 70s and 80s they'll be the first to tell you i don't care what you think i don't care what anybody thinks this is what i believe and this is what i'm going to do and this is how i'm going to move people find that endearing about their own grandparents but they don't find it endearing about these nfl owners because that's the exact same thing that's happening well you're having this guy and colin kaepernick do many different things one he is waging a war with the nfl and saying that these teams have colluded from having him sign on the dotted line. And there may be some smoke to that because the NFL tried to block it. There was someone who said, mm, nah, uh-uh. there's some there's some juice to this. So now there's a collusion case that's about to begin between Colin Kaepernick and a National Football League. If he were to prove that they that the owners colluded with him and the NFL colluded with him being in the league, not only do they have to give him a job, but they have to rip up the current collective bargaining agreement and do another CBA with the players association on the spot. And then to make matters worse, Kaepernick is now the spokesperson for Nike. And in bringing out their Just Do It 30th Anniversary campaign, the face of it is him. You're saying, well, what does that have to do with the NFL? Okay. You know the swoosh that you see on the uniforms that the NFL have currently? Yeah, that swoosh. That's Nike. Nike is the licensed apparel of the NFL and will be for the next 10 years. And they negotiated an eight-year extension this past May. So the NFL is in bed with Nike. Nike is in bed with Colin Kaepernick. And Colin Kaepernick has now forced the hand of the NFL to do the morality thing with money tied to it. Because the NFL is not going to dump Nike. Because I can hear it. Well, just dump Nike and get Puma. Dump Nike and get Reebok. Again, dump Nike and get Adidas. Okay, yeah, you can do all that. But Nike makes money. And if you don't know that, just look at their stock. It's the richest it's been in the history of the business. So the NFL wants to be successful. The the NFL wants to be tied to monetary success and prosperity. That is what the NFL is about. More than CTE regulation. More than exciting play on the field. More than pumping the product. More than having a wonderful game the first Sunday in February. Super Bowl. They want to make money hand over fist. So when you have another entity who is making money hand over fist too, NFL is like, yeah, let's partner up. And that's what we have. And what makes all of this interesting too is also currently the owner of Nike, Phil Knight, is a client, I should say a tenant of Trump Tower and has donated to the campaign of Mr. Trump. So let me see if I get this right. NFL is doing worse. The NFL is suffering. The NFL is doing worse simply because they don't show the national anthem. Uh, Simply because you don't have the two minute commercial for the armed services. That's really what the national anthem is about on TV or in the stadium. It is a two minute advertisement paid for by the armed services and has been paid for by the armed services for nine years. You want to display that and simply because it's not. That's why the NFL is monetarily circling the drain. No. Saves are still sold out. NFL is still printing money. The NFL actually made a profit in 2017. And it looks like they're on the way to making a huge profit this year. They just simply are getting their own moral way. Because they, they, they're trying to, well, I'll put it this way. They, they're trying to do the playbook Normally. Many people in power do. I see no evil. I hear no evil. I speak no evil. I ignore all evil. But that money, that's what I want. And now the NFL is seeing that one of their biggest sponsors is lined up with someone who is steeped in a moral cause. And you have this issue. And the NFL now is handcuffed. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to go about what they need to do to circumvent a subject matter they don't want to talk about, which is police brutality. And since we now have another incident in Dallas, the reason why these players kneel is because of incidents like that. So it may not be sexy to kneel. You may paint this as a patriotic thing. It's never been and it isn't now. It is about a human thing. And now the NFL is in bed with a company who is in line with someone who is doing a human thing, and is now monetarily forcing the NFL to either do a human thing, or be completely outed further for what they really are: greedy, money-hungry, subgenarian and octogenarian men. Sorry, President Trump. Sorry, NFL. The new landscape is about to happen. TV viewership, okay. Now, have to appeal to a new crowd, and that may not sit well with you. When I come back, upon further review, we're going to have a hot topic we're going to talk about there, but immediately following the break, here we go of the week time next Co CoSports! COSPORTS presents from the vault a look back at a key event in sports history September 15th, 1978. 70,000 people cased the Superdome to see the second fight between heavyweight champion of the WBA, Leon Spinks, go against the former two-time champion Muhammad Ali. To put it politely, it was a boxing exhibition and clinic all 15 rounds. Ali, the 36-year-old, showed the 20-year-old what it meant to be a professional boxer that night in the ring As he held him at bay with his reach And popped him when necessary with the right blow Scoring judiciously each time with the judges And the night ended with Ali winning a unanimous decision To claim the WBA Heavyweight Championship of the World From the Vault Brought to you by Cold Sport. Yes Johnson here. We ain't delaying. DOT of the Week! Dota of the Week, sponsored by nobody, but we still are going to give it to you straight with no chase The winner of this episode's Dota of the Week is... Former Steelers, former Raiders, and now current Raiders, wide receiver, Martavius Bryant. Now, I came close to giving it to the Oakland Raiders organization because of getting back a player they released in Bryant. But Bryant deserves to be on this list and deserves to be the winner of this category again. Why? Because he is facing a year-long suspension from the NFL again and why is he facing a year-long suspension again from the nfl it is because he simply cannot put the weed down Uh, it's a simple process it's a real basic process you've been having this issue all of your professional career you've already been suspended for four games Before, you were suspended for a full year in 2016 because you couldn't put the weed down. And now you face being suspended a full year again. And this time, if you're suspended a year, more than likely you will be similar to that status of Josh Gordon. You know, the guy who just recently been released from the Browns. Yeah, similar status. This is what I don't get. He has prodigious talent. He has breakaway speed. He can stretch a defense. He has really good hands. I know he wanted to prove that he could be the number one receiver because in Steeler Town, it's Antonio Brown and then everybody else when it comes to wide receivers. He wanted to prove he could be a number one receiver. Here's how you can do that, sir. Put that blood down. That's how you can prove it. You put it down and then you're good to go. Then you can show everybody the talent that you possess. The talent that oozes out of your pores. The talent that you have honed ever since you were six, seven, and eight years old. The talent which would set your family up for the rest of their lives. Yet, you'd simply feel the need to blaze up. I can imagine that fun house that is the Oakland Raiders organization right now. Especially when they were dealing with you. It out of your come on now! You can't be serious. Effort, effort, gentlemen, effort, and if you don't provide it for me, I'm gonna cut every last one of you. Don't let me get my chunky face on. Hey, hey man, hey. Hey, you want to hit it? Get up my face, Mortavious! I'm serious. I've been up since three in the morning. You've been. You didn't go to sleep. <laughs> Get that smoke out of my face, Martavius. I told you you're going to be... Ugh. This is going to be the death of you. You're not going to have an NFL career if you keep smoking that weed. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I'm like the far side, baby. Smoking that weed. Feeling fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get me high off the contact man get out there and run me a curl curl I'm doing a curl with these hands curling this 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 joint and kiss my with that telling me I'm to run a curl I've been running curl since I was eleven please run up So, somebody, wide receivers coach, get this, get this fool out of my face. I got a team to run. Hit, hit. On, no, man, I, I, I'll leave, man. Oh, bef- before I do, here's something for you. <laughs> get out of my face! Stop blowing that stuff in my face, man. Oh, oh, yeah, hold on, Marshawn. Sean, come on, hit this, man. Hit me one time with it. You know you smoked that, man. You the one who turned me on to that out in the bay, man. (laughs) I'm talking about. Yeah, hit it, baby, hit it. (laughs) Woo, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, get it, get it. Come on now, hype. Yeah that buffoonery out of my face and get that get that thing off of you if you if you go positive with a test we're gonna have no liability on you you're just gonna be on your own man you i don't care about the test And that's what I believe is happening right now. You see, you you don't have this, this understanding that your presence is important. So you, you feel the need to, to blaze up. And in California, yes, I know it's legal to smoke marijuana. I get it. But if the NFL is saying that you can't do it and you get tested on the fact that if you do do it, you will be gone. If not for a short time, for a long time. Then I think it would behoove you, yes, I'll use a military term, I think it would behoove you to drop the blunt, drop the bong, drop the joint, or whatever apparatus you decide to use to blaze up. Yes, I get the medicinal purposes that it serves. You get in contact with, with players all the time. I get it. And it, it helps, it helps the recovery time faster. I get it. Fully. Now, have I ever smoked? No. But I get the fact that Players blaze up to help them heal faster. I get it. I don't get is if the NFL is saying you can't do it, and they have alternatives. Why don't you use the alternatives? Why is it that you want to co- commit career suicide? And that's what bothers me. It's it's such it's such a painful thing to see someone so talented, literally, put your career up in smoke. It's almost as if here's what I believe. Now, if you are Mr. Bryant, if you are an Avengers fan. The recent movie, I think, is what would be prevalent here. It's almost as if you're one of those superheroes and the weed is Thanos and your career is about to do this very quickly. And I don't want to see it. But once it happens, people are going to forget you. I don't want that for you. But you're forcing it to happen. when i come back we're going to put an umpire and a player in the crosshairs upon further review is next Comes to Patreon October 1st. installment in a, an edition of cold sports we're going to talk about canelo Alvarez, triple g2 and the aftermath of it what do i think about the fight who do i think won do we see a chance of having a third fight happen we're also going to of course awards the of the week go upon further review we're going to go in on something and we're going to have a fun time while doing it so join me next week but see that's for a few days from now no for today We thought we were going to see a coronation in the US Open, the US Tennis Open. We were feeling the energy and the love that that Serena Williams was going to get her 24th Grand Slam. But she ran into a bus saw in Naomi Osaka and she ran into another issue that had nothing to do with her opponent. And how she handled it was a bit disconcerting and how the whole situation was. It was a bit disconcerting. So I'm going to talk about that. And upon a further review. (sighs) So I'm watching this tennis match unfold and I'm thinking we're going to see history. Happen, And we somewhat did, but it wasn't the history that I thought we were going to see. So I'll set the table. Serena Williams, who's on her crusade to get her 24th Grand Slam victory, which if you were not a tennis aficionado or fan, I'll put it in this brass tacks. She wins that. There's only one other person, man or woman, who has won as many, and that's Margaret Court in the era in the modern era. No man has won more than 20 Grand Slams in a career. So, needless to say, if she wins two more Grand Slams, she'd be the first tennis player in history to get 25 Grand Slam championships, male or female. However, when she was in Flushing Meadow Center Court, Arthur Ashcourt, Court against the upstart 20-year-old Naomi Osaka, as they say in the hood, Serena was getting that work, and. She was getting that work from a player who admires Serena, her style of play, her class off the court, the way she has been to other tennis players. Serena is Naomi's well role model, but Naomi was putting it in and she was getting it in. It's funny we don't even talk about the match itself. We talk about what happened. So in the first set, Osaka took care of business 6-2, just took two breaks and i'll explain what a break is took two breaks in that in that set and went onward like it was business as usual the second set is where the action started so serena goes up a break on osaka here's what a break is normally when you serve it's expected for you to hold serve or when you're when the game on your serve it pretty much is expected for you to win because you have the advantage If you were to win a game off of your serve, it's normal. If you win a game on your opponent's serve, it's called a break from the norm, hence break. So Serena did that in the second set, and she was on her way to sort of solidifying herself and getting back into the match. When the Portuguese chair umpire Carlos Ramos decided to interject and not give a warning, not give a warning to Serena Williams for her coach, possibly coach from the stands, but immediately taking a point from him. So, of course, that bothers Serena. It affected her game to the point where she got broken back. And so it was even. And so the next time that they they went to to refresh and recharge before they cross court to play again in their timeout, Serena had some choice words for Mr. Ramos, called him a liar, said that she owed him apology because owed her apology because she thought he stole a point from her and ended up getting a game stolen from her. And yes, I'll say stolen because Ramos injected his power incorrectly, in my opinion. So Serena, in a matter of minutes, went from being up a break to down a break, and of course it was like a house of cards that just fell. And so in her six-two-six-three loss, Serena was at a loss to the point where even in the in the talks, she said to an umpire above Ramos, he thought it was sexism that was on display. Now I'll give Serena credit where it's due. She could have still had a stiff upper lip about it, but during the post-match ceremony where you get awards, second place, first place, championships. She said, look, the moment belongs to Naomi. Let's, let's give the champion her just due. And so she showed class in that situation, say, no, this isn't about me. This isn't about my argument. This is about the, the champion here of the tournament. Here is what I believe about the whole thing. Do I believe in any, any stretch of the imagination that Serena Williams was right in what she had to say? Yes. Do I believe she was right in how she expressed it? No. She was unprofessional in how she expressed her displeasure. The same with Ramos. I really believe he should have just given her a warning, not deduct a a point, and then explain to her, I'm issuing a warning because I believe your coach is coaching from the stands. Now, this might not be true, but the impression I'm seeing is that. So I'm just giving you a warning. If I see that again, I'll deduct a point. If he did that, I would be happier. But I'm okay with the point deduction because, well, yeah, it's within the rules and he's done that before. Where I find fault is when... He deducted the game from her because he tried not to diffuse the situation like a referee should, like an official should. His emotions were in it. And when you have emotions in things, you don't make the best decisions. And that's what happened here. And do I think there's some sexism going on in tennis? Yes. And I'll I'll take it a step further. I think there's a bias towards Serena because when she came back six months ago from being pregnant, And having one of the most difficult deliveries that you can ever have. She was being drug tested every week. Simply because this woman at the ages of 33, 34, and 35 was just wiping the floor, the mat, the clay, the grass, and the hard court. With the players who were opposing her. It was as if she drank a fountain of youth juice. But it just simply is the matter of fact that we're dealing with an athlete that we have not seen. We haven't seen an athlete like this. Who is now she'll be 37 if i'm not mistaken at the end of the month we haven't seen an athlete this good play like they're 20 or 21 on the tennis court we haven't seen that and it bothers me that i'm seeing this type of freeze-out happen now there was a report saying that the umpires were wanting to band together with ramos and not officiate any serena williams matches And I find that ridiculous uh, because I'm thinking uh, your your point is what you 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 you're backing your your man because he feels the need to say, well, I follow the rules and that's that. Well, yeah, you may have followed the rules, but you also followed your emotion. And for an umpire, that's unprofessional. So, yes, I'm dealing with two unprofessional people in this situation here. But Serena had this to say about all of what what transpired. Quote. I can't sit here and say I wouldn't say he's a thief because I feel he took the game from me. I've seen other men call umpires several things and I'm here fighting for women's rights and women's equality. And for him to take a game, it made me feel like it was a sexist remark. I mean, like he's taking a game from a man because he said thief. It blows my mind, but I'm going to continue to fight for women. Close quote. Now, I'll give you a slight history with this guy. So, Australian Nick Kyrgos, he had an expletive-laden tirade Ramos in 2016. In 2017, Nadal said, you can deduct however many points you want from me. You can deduct games from me. You're not going to officiate any more of my matches. And this year, Wimbledon, with a swipe of the grass from his, his racket, Djokovic received a warning, but he didn't have a point deducted from his score. So, there might be some fire to this. To me, because I've had issues with people saying, well, you're you're talking about the umpire being unprofessional. But what about Serena? I said, well, she's unprofessional, too. I mean, you don't supposed to let your opponent see you sweat because I don't think when I saw Brady go Tom Brady go ballistic that it was passionate. No, I just thought he was a lunatic out of control. He <laughs> need to reel it in. <laughs> I don't care if it's a man or a woman. I don't care if it's me. If I'm out of control like that, I'd say, oh, man, I let this situation get bigger than me. I got to reel that in. I can't do that because it makes you look silly. It makes you look stupid. And yes, I'll say it. It made Ramos look stupid. It made Serena look stupid. But Serena realized that and said, no, nah, this moment is not for me. This moment is for Naomi. And you have two judges that that say that, well, I mean, you, you have to you have to conduct yourself a lot better than the way Ramos did in that match. Nakti Samat, he was a umpire. He's from Egypt. He had this to say about what Ramos had to do and what Ramos should have done. Quote He wanted to be a tough guy And wanted to stick it to the tough girl And show his muscles to the other empires What happened at that final is a joke And it should have never happened Close quote Another judge, Cecil Holmes He had this to say about the event And about Ramos's actions Quote That's what it came down to What could he have said That would have alleviated the tension?" Close quote. That's where I am with it. If you're an umpire, if you're officiating, then you have to do whatever it is possible to, I guess you could say, put the water on the fire. And you also have to allow for the fact that you're dealing with athletes who are competitive. And they have that fire in them that it, it just cannot be unbridled. And if it is, it's dangerous. Because it could inwardly hurt them. And if they let it out outwardly, then that's fine. And with her, with Serena, I didn't hear a curse word. All that all that was necessary was a, thank you, Serena. And possibly put moving the mic out of your mouth and having a conversation with Serena one-on-one. That's not hard to do. But you were about rules. Okay, well, here's one rule here. An official is supposed to be impartial, but almost you weren't. And if you're not going to be impartial, you're going to be damaging to the game, to the players, and to the sport. So if you're going to flex your muscles, do that in an amateur court, but leave the professional umpiring to professionals, because obviously you are (laughs) upsetting too many of them. And to Serena, I believe you do have a cause. I believe there is sexism in tennis. However, two things I have a problem with how you did it. One, when you have an outburst like that, people see the outburst and they don't see What you're saying in the outburst. And two. There's a beautiful young lady. Who has now joined the ranks of you. In winning a grand slam. At a professional tennis event. Who admires you. And instead of having us celebrate the fact. That this woman who is Japanese. But is also of Haitian descent. Winning the championship for the first time. We're lamenting. On your behavior. And that is where I find the issue. Now, there was cartoons where it was ridiculous. Uh, Serena was drawn as having big lips, big nose, big body, big hair, and big attitude. Throwing a tantrum on the court. Meanwhile, Osaka, who I just said is half Japanese and half Asian. Haitian, not Asian. Had white skin, small nose, blonde hair, and thin body. (laughs) And this was an Australian cartoonist, not an American one. Oh, boy. It's the stuff that I believe she deals with and we don't see. And I think we got a chance to see a little bit of it. But you got to conduct yourself better, period. You just got to conduct yourself better. If you happen to like this episode or any episode that you have heard thus far, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. ColdSports.com is where you can find the subscribe button. And you can subscribe on Android. You can subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. You can even subscribe on ColdSports.com. Whatever your flavor, whatever you savor. ColdSports with a Z.com is waiting for you to subscribe to this program. And if you want to reach me in other ways, info at colesportswithaz.com is my email address. You can email me and I will put whatever question you may have, whatever comment you may have, I will say it on air. And also on Instagram, it's at coldsportswithaz On Facebook, it's at coldsportswithaz On Twitter, it's at with a z, And of course, there is colesportswithaz.com. And really, all I want you to do is three simple things. It's really, really simple. Live the best life that you have. Tell a friend to tell a friend about this particular broadcast and spread the word. And enjoy the content for the intelligent sportsman. I am Cole Johnson, and this is Thank you. Go Sports.